0: Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Wow. (laughs) So uh, Noah Weatherly said that during our production meeting today, And I was like, that is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Canard in the yard. Uh, What was our wedding hashtag? I can hardly wait. Oh, golly. The puns. The puns this morning. Okay, if you don't know who I am yet, uh, my name is Isaiah Canard. And I was running around bringing chairs out this morning and, you know, that's fine. That's good. I get to do a lot of great things here at Antioch-Fort Worth. First thing I get to do here is be a part of the most amazing youth ministry uh, with Graydon and Jones. So that's awesome. If you're a youth and you're here, I want you to listen to this. It's just like you should listen every Wednesday. Okay. Um, and then another thing that I get to do here is I get to work with James Albright on the ADS team. So that's also really great. Um, but Before I get started into the sermon today, I just want to say, Lauren, you are so great, and I love you. Uh, I start off every sermon talking about Lauren because she's my best friend, and I'm going to say something about her. But yeah, and then while we were just worshiping today, I just felt like the Lord was just telling us that we're blessed. We're a blessed church. Uh, We're in a parking lot right now with a bunch of construction behind us. And sometimes it doesn't look like that you're blessed in a situation, but you're blessed. There's people here that love you so much. And I'm just so happy to dive into this sermon series with you guys. But before we dive in, today is Trinity Sunday, if you don't know. Uh, so I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. I didn't get to practice uh, a lot of church tradition from, uh, from wherever I grew up, but I am going to say a prayer, and I'm going to have you say the response to that, like a a little bit of liturgy here. So the response I want you to say is, thank you, God. Amen. All right, we're going to practice. Here we go. Three, two, one. Thank you, God. Amen. Sweet. Okay, we're going to say a Trinitarian prayer. And then when I say, church, thank you, God. Amen. All right. All right. Gotcha. All right. God, you are triune which means that you created all of heaven and earth. You created us in your image, and you established a covenant with your people to be their God and them to be your people. And the church says, Thank you, God. Amen. God, you are triune, which means that you became an incarnate man named Jesus, and you lived a life here on earth where you redeemed the world through your death, burial, and resurrection. You rose again on the third day, and you revealed yourself to your disciples. And now you're seated on high in the heavens and you're coming back again. And the church said, Thank you, God. Amen. God, you are triune, which means that you are the Holy Spirit that empowers your church to be a witness of you in these last days. You live inside of every believer and you give us the grace to live kingdom lives right now in the present. And the church said, Thank you, God. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, guys, for that. Awesome. Well, I get to dive into Mark nine and I've been thinking about the title of this message all week and it's really, really hard. So we're just going to give it to you the way this is. Listen to Jesus on the way. All right. This text moves by what Jesus says. So we're going to dive into the text. That's why I'm not asking you to stand up for the reading of the word because you'll be standing up the whole service. Isn't that so nice? I'm going to save you your calf muscles so you can eat some chicken. I don't know what calf muscles and chicken have to do with each other, but we're going to go there. Um, but we're going to go from Mark 9 from the very beginning. I'm going to try to hit everything in this chapter. Um, but if you want to know the main thing, the main thing is this. A disciple, according to Mark 9, listens to Jesus, depends on God and is unified with other believers and is in it, and is all in on the kingdom. So the first point is listen to Jesus. Mark 9, verse 1. And he said to them, I tell you the truth. There are some standing here who will not experience death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them alone up on a high mountain privately. And was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiantly white, more than any launderer in the world could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared before them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So let's pause there. There's a few things I already want to say. That The word transfiguration is where we get the word metamorphosis. Jesus was revealed of his just full glory in this moment. So they're up on a mountain, probably tired because they just climbed a whole mountain, and Jesus shows up in his full glory. And then Elijah and Moses shows up. Why those two? Well, in the Old Testament, Moses was the one that went up to mount to the mountain to get the law. And Elijah was known as the prophet of prophets. So you have the law and the prophets right here in this story with Jesus. But listen to what happens next. So Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For they were afraid, and he did not know what to say. So we have to give Peter a break. We think that we would do something so different if we were in this situation. But here's the deal. He's building shelters because he's thinking about cultural battles. He's thinking about cultural victory. Back in Mark 8, Jesus just predicted his death. And hey, and Peter had to bring Jesus aside and said, bro, that's not how you expand your ministry. That's not a good ministry plan. Don't go around telling people you're going to die. Like, that's not going to work. That's not, that's normally what it is. You're supposed to do something on Instagram and, and post a TikTok or things like that. That's how you're supposed to grow your ministry. Um, Jamie, sorry, okay. Um, get on a TikTok. Uh, that's not, it's not a good way to, to grow your ministry, But but Jesus says, no, you're thinking of ways that. Are centered around man. I'm thinking about ways that are centered around God and his kingdom. So, Peter again is revealing that he is thinking about things in the sense of man. And we have to make sure that we don't fall into that same trap. When we're fighting battles, are there man's battles or are there God's battles? When we're fighting battles, are there, are there man's battles or are there God's battles? So then verse seven, then a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came from the, from the cloud. This is my one dear son, listen to him. And this is where I get my main point uh, of the transfiguration. And here's the deal. This isn't just an affirmation for Jesus, but a confirmation for us about Jesus. It's different than the baptism scene. We heard this earlier in the season where it says, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. He's saying right now, This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. That's like saying, Lauren, you are my beautiful wife who I love with all of my heart. Versus, hey, y'all, this is my wife. I'm letting you guys know that. So there's a little bit of a difference with just one word. And Jesus here is confirmed as the one to worship. So the second half of what Jesus says, this is my son. Here's the second half. Listen to him. The father is talking to the disciples at this moment, giving them a specific command, probably the most comprehensive command in scripture. Listen to him. If you want to explain what what the Bible's about is listen to Jesus. It's a good like if you are out and you're trying to tell people about Jesus, remember those three words. Listen to Jesus. Say that. Listen to Jesus. And this is very important in the context of Mark, because God is literally saying, Jesus, you're not crazy. Peter was like, bro, you're crazy in Mark 8. In Mark 9, he's saying, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. You are on mission from me. And it contains your death, burial, and as we know, the resurrection. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is going to tell you what shirt to wear every single day. I'm not telling you that. He did not tell me to wear this jean jacket. Um, a fashion website did, you know. <laughs> well, just like, hey, you should buy a jean jacket. Okay, fine. But you can hear him through scripture. You can hear him through songs, through the local church. It should bother you when you haven't heard from Jesus. It should bother you should bother you. If you're if you're in this kingdom, it should bother you if you haven't heard a word from Jesus. So it goes to verse eight. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore except Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept this statement to themselves, discussing what this rising from the dead meant. And why does he want, not want to be known? Why does Jesus always want to be hidden? We talk about Jesus being great, Jesus being a healer. We got hidden Jesus right here in this passage. But why? Because it's not his time yet to be known. And How does that apply to us? It's because we need to have discernment on when to share things. Social media has made us really, really bad at this. We always want to overshare. Have you ever met an oversharer on social media? We're like every three hours they post something. and You're like, I don't care about your oatmeal. I'm sorry. I really don't. Hey, if you posted about your oatmeal today, I'm not talking about you. Okay, so give me a break. I'm not talking about you. I'm not. I'm not talking about you. But this is what Jesus is saying, is that we need to have discernment on when to share things and when not to share things. We need to know whenever we receive something from the Lord, is it going to be life giving in that moment or do we need to take it back, process it? And then and then we'll go with it. Amen. Amen. So then they asked him, verse 11, why do the experts in the law say that Elijah must come first? He said that Elijah does indeed come first and restore all things. And why is it written that the son of man must suffer many things and be despised? But I tell you that Elijah has certainly come and they did to him whatever they wanted, just that it is written about him. And this is just another way that Jesus is saying that I'm going to the cross. I'm on the way. He said, hey, why does the Bible say that Elijah is going to come? Why does Scripture say Elijah is going to come? He says Elijah did come. Why does Scripture say that the Son of Man is going to be despised? We'll find out as we go through the book of Mark. But while they're having this very mountaintop experience with Jesus, James, John and Peter, They come down and they see an argument happening in verse 14. So let's see what people are arguing about. Do we know anything about arguing in this culture? No, no. Okay. Okay. We don't argue. Um, Second point is depend on God. Verse 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and experts in the law arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran at once and greeted him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? A member of the crowd said to him, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able to do so. He answered them, you unbelieving generation. How much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I endure you? Bring him to me. Jesus is extremely frustrated at this moment. As he gets closer to the cross, you're going to notice as the story is revealed that Jesus gets more frustrated. Now, about frustration. Frustration isn't a sin. Okay. Everybody nod your head if you you hear me. Okay, I see some hats in the back. Okay, all right, all right. Frustration isn't a sin. Why do I say that? Because I feel like in our culture today, we always have to be happy. We always have to have a smile on our face, which is great. My wife has a beautiful smile. I like to see that. So that's awesome. But being frustrated isn't a sin. 2020 brought us to that point where we were frustrated a lot. And I hate to stand up here and bring up 2020. We're in 2021. Happy days, I know. But can I just bring it up just a little bit? Can I bring it up? Just it's going to come back a little bit later in this sermon, and I hope you're ready for it. Put your sleep on. Um, but it's okay to be frustrated. But the thing is, you have to be frustrated at the right things. Why are you frustrated? Are you frustrated about centered on you? Or are you frustrated about things that pertain to the kingdom? Why are we frustrated? And when we're frustrated. Do you notice what Jesus does? He says, bring the boy to me. When Jesus is frustrated, he heals. When we're frustrated, we abuse normally. Normally, we're, when we're frustrated, we just say, you know what? I'm going to take the gloves off and I'm going to just go for it. Everybody, Anybody been hangry before? Raise your hand if you've been hangry. Who? Does everybody know what hangry is? Okay, okay, good, good, good. Now, who is the sleep angry kind? Raise your hand if you're the sleep angry. Okay, I saw a wife point to a husband. That was, okay. Sorry, I'm not trying to, sorry. Mike, you're gonna have to pass through some things after this. Um, but, but here's the deal. Do we look to heal or do we abuse when we get frustrated? Jesus chose to heal. Let's be like Jesus let's keep going into the story. So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. This is a very dramatic scene. Jesus asked his father, how long has it been happening to them? And he said, from childhood, it has often thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. But if you're able to do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Then Jesus said to him, if you're able, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, mute and deaf spirit. I command you come out of him and never enter him again. It shrieked, threw him into terrible convulsions and came out. The boy looked so much like the corpse that many said he is dead. But Jesus gently took his hand and raised him to his feet and he stood up. Then after he went to the house, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast it out? He told them this kind can only come out by prayer and some translations add fasting. So I read that large chunk because there's so much in this and I want to break down a few things. So some Interpretations of this passage is that when the when the father says, "Help my unbelief," that there is a lack of faith going on, and I don't think that there's a lack of faith. I think that he proved that he believes in Jesus because right before "Help my unbelief," he says, "I believe." Isn't that like people that they like totally forget the things that you did right before, but they want to focus on the thing that you're doing wrong in that moment? I'm sorry, I don't know why I just said that. Um, but belief isn't a feeling. Belief is a choice. Belief isn't a feeling, belief is a choice. He says, I believe in response to Jesus saying he's able. And faith is having evidence of things hoped for, the proof of the things not seen. And reality is that the boy is demon possessed, but the father has faith that Jesus could do a miracle. The father doesn't define Jesus by his reality. The father defines Jesus by his characteristic, what he knows about him. So I believe he knows that you're a healer. Help my unbelief. Please help my son. But here's the deal. Jesus is a healer, pre-demon and post-demon. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God has to always do something for him to be qualified. Jesus is qualified, okay? Jesus is healer. Jesus is Lord. All right? Does that, everybody make sense? Everybody raise your, you get that? Yeah, raise your hand. Shout me down. Say something. Yeah. Jesus is Lord, right? He is. Jesus is Lord. The reality of your situation doesn't depend on Jesus' goodness. He's already good. But that does not mean that he discouraged you from asking. To do something in your life does that make sense he's he's coming to the man he's asking you hey what do you want he's asking what do you want and he says I want you to help my son I want you to help my son and what the crowds represent I think the, the crowds are some of the most comical part of this whole story the crowd says hey, amen. Uh, Jesus, you just touched this boy and he just convulsed and did all this other stuff. And now he's laying on the ground and now he looks pretty dead. Like, this is a miracle that's not like the the heavens open up and Celine Dion starts singing. And then it's just like, you know, hey, the boy's healed and he's like skipping and jumping. And I'm doing this for John because he said I moved around too much. So, uh, but no, that's not what happens. He falls on the ground. And he looks dead. And the reality might look like that something is dead. But Jesus takes the boy's hand, raises him up, and proclaims the truth that the boy is healed. This is why we don't depend on what we see. (laughs) We don't depend on what we see, we depend on what God said in his word. Amen. All right. We're going to keep moving through this passage. i all go get me running around this parking lot. I'm going to be tired. So. All right. Verse 30. They went out from there and passed through Galilee. But Jesus said. But Jesus did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples and telling them the son of man will be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days he will rise But they did not understand this statement and were afraid to ask him. So in the book of Mark, this is the second time that Jesus's death is predicted. And Jesus knows what his mission is, but it's going to keep unfolding. I need to bring that up because we're going to hear that again next week with Jim Reynolds. Oh, quick commercial. Jim Reynolds will be here tomorrow or next week. So, amen. Awesome. Verse 33. Then they came to Capernaum. After Jesus was inside the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they were silent for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. After he sat down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. He took a little child and he had him standing among them, taking him in his arms. He said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And not only me, but the one who sent me. Okay, two quick things. So disciples are asking them amongst themselves, this is hilarious, who do they think is the greatest? Can you imagine that? Jesus is walking ahead of the group. They're sitting there bickering about who's the greatest, right? They, I mean, I'm just going to point this out. They weren't able to just heal this demon-possessed boy, but, but now they're arguing amongst themselves about who's the greatest, the audacity of of humans man we 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 think so highly of ourselves okay um but then they're silent jesus asks them a question and then they're silent well I, how do you feel whenever G, when you find out that jesus knew about what you was talking about but but you didn't know that jesus was listening see i grew up in a pentecostal home my mom told me that jesus is with you all the time so i couldn't just could just go in my room and say things and then nah, jesus was there you know if my mom was not there jesus was there they had, you know We talk about cell phones catching everything that we do. I mean, you had the Holy Ghost. I mean, (laughs) anyway, the disciples were told that to be great, they need to be last of all, servant of all. All this fighting to be great in this country, if it's not centered on Jesus, if it's not centered on being a servant, it ain't him. It ain't him. So for this kingdom to be great, you have to be a servant of all. You have to be bring yourself low like children and children were of little value. If people in Jesus's day had to choose between the life of an adult and a life of a child, they would most likely choose the life of the adult. In this culture, we'd probably choose the life of the child. Amongst the people here at Antioch-Fort Worth, you guys always say the babies are the cutest things in the world. I mean, we're super kind to children, you know. Nobody ever walks up and says your baby's ugly because why would they do that? That's really, really mean. I mean, your baby might. Oh, no, I'm not going to say that. I mean, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. We love babies here, okay. We love children here. But the children were the lowest in society. They were ignored. But, they, yeah, they were ignored. They were the ones that were seen but not heard. And Jesus is saying, invite those in that are seen but not heard. Invite those in who are marginalized. Invite those in who are weak. Invite those in. Invite those in. And who's undervalued in our culture? Think about that. This is not a, a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise and shout and things, you know, it's fine. And we're all thinking, yeah, we know, but who's undervalued to you? Who's undervalued to you? Let's not talk about the culture real quick. Let let me hit you where your heart is. Who's undervalued to you? And Jesus is saying, invite the men. Jesus is saying, invite the men. Point number three, halfway through this, almost done. Unified with other believers. Verse 38 says, John said to him, listen to what what John has to say. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. Okay, sounds like he's doing a good job. But we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, don't stop him because no one who does a miracle in my name will be able to soon afterward to say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. For I tell you the truth, whoever gives you a cup of water because you bear Christ's name will never lose his reward. Are are you hearing this part of this story? I don't know what the guy's name was. That was demon. Let's call him Bucky. Okay, let's call him Bucky. Bucky was casting out demons out of people. And John, homeboy John say, bro, stop because you're not part of our group. He wasn't killing people in the name of in the name of Christ. He wasn't taking off your pinky toe in the name of Christ. He was healing people in the name of Christ. But they are so centered on themselves that he tell that they go and say, stop that healing because you're not with us. Oh, Oh, my. Oh, my Lord. Does that not sound like the church in the United States right now? Uh, if you don't know anything about me, I'm very passionate about the church in the United States. We, we at Antioch, we like to send people everywhere. Hey, God sent me right here to the church in America. So in the same way that we, I'm, I'm pacing again because I'm getting hype. Um, In the same way that I would love for everybody who's called to a different nation to go and preach the truth. Let me tell you the truth right here, right now. The spirit of division has been in the, Uni- the church of the United States. We're not unified. We're not. We're not unified. And we keep making enemies out of brothers and sisters in the Lord. We keep making enemies out of brothers, sisters, and sisters in the Lord. And I was going to preach this all hard to you. And then the Holy Spirit said, skirt, Isaiah, what about you? So let me tell you a story. Okay, so I was sitting there thinking about this message and then the lord was like hey what about you when was the last time you went to go talk to somebody that didn't hold your beliefs all the secondary issues they're all christians and christians there and so i was like okay let, let me go find somewhere that i don't necessarily agree with everything can i be honest raise your hand if you think isaiah can be honest all right please don't judge me this is this is this is my own story all right if you have any conversations with me you can come talk to me and afterwards, and I love it. But here's the deal. I'm just letting you in on a little secret. I'm not the biggest fan of extremely large churches. If I say that? All right? Now, I know that that's relative because this would be an extremely large church to the church in China. So I completely understand. That's completely relative. This is all in my head. I'm not the biggest fan of big, super large churches. And I consider myself to be someone who is a continuationist, who likes to believe in the gifts of the Spirit are still Alive for today. Some of my friends, they don't necessarily believe that. All right. So the Lord brought those two things up to me when I was getting ready for this message. And he said, can you go and worship with those people? And I was like, yeah, God, I can I can do that. He's like, well, can you go do that tonight? And I'm like, "Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. So I found uh, I found a place of my friends at work. Uh, I, I'm also a dishwasher at Grounds and Gold. Shout out to Grounds and Gold. And um, they go to a very large church and a lot of them are uh, cessationist. And, you know, I went. I was like, OK, here, here, here we go. Let's go. Don't know why God has having me do this. So I'm going to be standing here with integrity and say that, that I'm not going to add to the spirit of division. OK, so I went and it was one of the greatest encounters I've ever had with the Lord. legit. It really was. I went and I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then I go and I see a friend that I knew from freshman year of college that I hadn't seen in like seven years. And I saw another person that I knew and I was like, wow, look at all these brothers and sisters here. Look at this wealth of people that I don't ever talk to all the time because I'm too focused on myself. Because I'm too focused on myself. And here's the deal. We can have differences. Jesus doesn't say that this, that Bucky needs to be the same as you guys. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that you can't have differences. But Jesus is saying that the, that the world will know us by our love for each other. Not our fights on social media about secondary issues. And for for sure about not our fights about political parties let me not even okay i'm not even gonna go there we represent one kingdom and we are one people we represent one kingdom and we're one people an application is stop fighting can i I just say that if you haven't taken notes write it down stop fighting with other christians amen the center of the center is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his Lord. He walked this earth. He died for our sins. He was buried and is risen. He ascended and will be coming back again. God sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of his church. He has created us in his image for good works. He wants all to be in his kingdom. If you can agree to that, we're on the same team. If you can agree to that, we're on the same team. All right? No football team ever wins by tackling their own teammates. <laughs> Never. <laughs> the NFL has figured out what sometimes Christians haven't. Yeah. Y'all see, I'm getting passionate about this. This isn't even on the page. Like, it's just, I didn't even write this down. That's how you know. That's how you know. Okay. Point number four. We're going to get some chicken. okay? All right. Point number four. All in on kingdom life. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a huge millstone tied around his neck and be thrown into the sea. Tough words from Jesus. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life crippled than to have two hands and go into hell to the unquenchable fire. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better to enter to the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. I think Jesus reveals at the last one what this is really all about. Jesus is not asking you to start cutting off your, your hands and your limbs and all those other things. That's not what he's asking you to do. He's not asking we all to go blind because we all know that if you cut off, if you cut off your left hand, you're going to sin with your right one. Okay, (laughs) You know, because that's not the point of what this text is. He's not asking you for that. What he is saying, though, in the context of Mark, and that's why we have to read this in context. The context is if it causes you to miss the kingdom, get it out of your life. If it causes you to miss the kingdom, get it out of your life. The worst thing that can happen to you is not missing an eye, a foot, or a leg. The worst thing that can happen to you is missing the kingdom. And I want to say that with as much boldness as I possibly can. If you're sitting here and and you don't know where you're at, don't miss the kingdom. Don't miss it. Don't miss the kingdom. And Jesus also says... You don't need to be the cause of somebody missing the kingdom. How many of our fights on Facebook unbelievers see and then they miss how you see how this is all connected? You see how he's talking about who's the greatest and he's talking about unity and then he's talking about this. He didn't just stop wait two weeks and then say this next thing he it's all connected. our love for each other, I truly believe this is A witness to Jesus Christ. And then when we keep going at each other, we cause people to miss the kingdom. Have mercy on us, oh God. Have mercy on us, oh God. But be all in in the kingdom. Do whatever you have to do to be in the kingdom. No pleasure, no money, no liberty. The list goes on and on. Nothing is worth missing the kingdom. The kingdom is so good that you don't want anything to stop you from being a citizen. It's a good kingdom. And then Jesus, he ends this this chapter, and and I need to read it. He ends this chapter and he says, He says right here, in verse 50, salt is good if it loses its saltiness. How can mates How can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. That's what he's asking us to do, is to be at peace with each other. All right, everybody, stand up, and can we have the band come up, please? If you're new to Antioch, this is something we like to call um, ministry time. Not because ministry hasn't already been happening, but it's a nice little name that we can have where people are going to be up here ready to pray with you about anything. But the things that pertain particularly to this passage that I would like for you to think about is this. At the beginning of this chapter, The thing is, listen to Jesus. And what Jesus is saying this morning is be in the kingdom. If you're here and you haven't done that, that is the most important thing that you could ever do is be in his kingdom. Second thing, maybe you've been depending on yourself. Maybe you've been dealing with, maybe you need God to come help you with your unbelief. Maybe you need God to perform a miracle in your life. I think what he's saying is, trust me. Trust in me. And I think today's the day for miracles. If you've been been believing, why don't you be like the Father, come out the crowd and say, hey, help me. Help me believe. And 2020, I'm just going to come back up. 2020 was the year of division. And it didn't skip the church. And maybe you need to make something right. Maybe something in this parking lot right here, right now. You got an argument three months ago and you haven't talked to them since. You've been coming to church and you haven't been talking to your own brother and sister. Maybe you need to make it right. Maybe you need to make a text. Maybe you need to make a phone call. Because here's the deal. We are called to maintain the unity that Jesus died for. Jesus died for this. For the Jews and the Gentile to come together. Jesus died for that. So we're called to maintain it. We're not called to cultivate it. This isn't anything new. You're stepping into something that you've already, that we've already been born into. When When I was growing up, my mom said, hey, this was my house before it was yours, you know? Something like that. So I just want to invite us as a church to go through ministry time. So Lord, just thank you so much for your mercy and for your grace. Lord, I pray. I pray, Father God, that we are not condemned, but we're convicted. We're not condemned because grace is given new to us every single day. And grace is being offered to us right now in this moment to say, I repent, I agree with you, Lord, and I'm going another way. And I know that there's people here at the sound of my voice that need prayer that they need someone to partner with them they need someone to believe with them that's what we're here for as a church we're here to hold each other up not tear each other down we love you lord In jesus name all right church